Ah, yes! Happy opening night, everybody! It is here! After four months, it is finally here! Major League Baseball is on our doorstep! The Yankees and the Nationals will tip off the season tonight, followed by the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Welcome all! Welcome to another edition of MLB Morning Coffee from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. It is an absolute joy to be with you here today. I gotta tell you, for as big of a skeptic as I've been, for as down in the dumps as I have been about how Major League Baseball has handled a lot of this, I am incredibly excited for opening night tonight. Why? Because it gives me a sense of normal in my life, which I don't think I've felt in the last four months in any regard. So, for those of you that have caught on during the pandemic, the original format of this podcast was supposed to be your daily headlines, a preview of the next day, and a recap of the previous day. Our focus was supposed to be a Major League Baseball informational update podcast. We got a little bit editorial because we had to. There was no content other than whatever opinion we could put out there about a certain issue that was affecting Major League Baseball. We will still have some opinion pieces in here, but for now, we are bringing back our headline segment of the day. Please welcome back, after a long hiatus, the Daily Grounds. The first game of the 2020 MLB season will be the New York Yankees visiting the defending world champion Washington Nationals. By the way, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious diseases expert, is going to be throwing out the first pitch for the Nats tonight, which I think is awesome. Your pitching matchup tonight is going to be Garrett Cole making his Yankees debut against Max Scherzer, the ace of the Washington Nationals staff. This is a throwback for the Nationals because they faced Garrett Cole last year in the World Series as a member of the Houston Astros. These are going to be two of the best teams in baseball, in my opinion. For the Yankees, it's very much living up to expectations. They got lucky in a sense that the season was delayed because James Paxton, who was going to miss the first three months, is healthy and ready to go. Aroldis Chapman will start the season on the injured list, assumingly because he tested positive for COVID-19. So Zach Britton, more than likely, will step into the closer's role, if not Adam Adovino or Tommy Canely, to start the season. For the Nationals, they're without Ryan Zimmerman, who opted out of the 2020 season, and they are also without Joe Ross, who also opted out of the season. The Nationals will be playing their first game without Anthony Rendon, who signed a seven-year contract with the Los Angeles Angels during the offseason. Max Scherzer is healthy and ready to roll. The Nationals may not be as strong as they were in 2019, but this is still a team that is stacked with young talent, in particular the energetic Juan Soto, who burst onto the scene in 2019 by hitting 282 with a 401 on base, 34 homers, and 110 runs driven in. This is still a very talented team. Granted, one game doesn't mean the entire season, but also one game means the equivalent of 2.7 wins per how you scale it from 60 to 162. I think the Nationals and the Yankees are going to be two of the best teams in baseball because they've got really good pitching and high-powered offense. 
It is going to be a lot of fun to see this as the series that kicks off the MLB season. The second game of the evening is down at Chavez Ravine, the classic rivalry between the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. For the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw is going to get the start. He is back in the opening day saddle after losing out on the opportunity last year to Hinjin Ryu, now of the Toronto Blue Jays. Everybody talks about Kershaw and not being the pitcher that he once was. Look at his stats from 2019. He went 16-5 with a 3.03 ERA and 178 in the third innings of work. Kershaw doesn't have the fastball that he once did, and injury troubles have plagued him over the past couple of seasons. But with the rest and with a shorter season, Kershaw should be fired up and ready to go for this year. A couple of interesting notes on the Dodgers roster. They optioned Gavin Lux down to AAA Oklahoma City because, quite frankly, they don't need him yet. They are going to go with an infield of Max Beatty, Kike Hernandez, Max Muncie, Edwin Rios, Corey Seager, their starting shortstop, and Justin Turner. It should be worth noting that Cody Bellinger is classified on their roster as an outfielder. They also have Chris Taylor, who can play the infield and the outfield, as well as a guy like Terrence Gore, who is going to be a specific pinch runner. Their catching situation, Austin Barnes and Will Smith. I'll be very intrigued to see how this pitching staff ends up functioning throughout the season, because... In a shorter season where teams can add more guys to their pitching staff and because of the fact that there is a DH in the National League, teams may be able to bullpen it a little bit more. So you could have a scenario where you end up leading a Joe Kelly to a Pedro Baez to a Kenley Jansen in order to finish out a game. The Dodgers rotation to start the year is going to be Kershaw, Julio Urias, Alex Wood, and Walker Bueller, not in that order. I believe that Bueller is going to get the start tomorrow night, but Kershaw and Bueller as your one two punch, even without him, Jin Ryu, that's still a pretty good punch to start the season. Nobody's expecting much out of the San Francisco Giants, and they're going to be starting Johnny Cueto tonight. Cueto, who joined the Giants in 2016, has had an injury-riddled career in an SF uniform. The Giants are hoping in a shortened season that he is going to be able to get himself back on track and provide himself as trade bait should the Giants not be in it come the August 31st trade deadline. I know that is going to be really weird to say. The Giants this season, they're playing with house money. They're going to try and try out a bunch of different pieces that they hope might be a part of their future. It is worth noting that Joey Bart is not on the opening day roster for them. At this point, they're going to go with a catching tandem of Chadwick Trump and Aramis Garcia. So for the Giants, they effectively do not want to play with the service time for somebody like Joey Bart. As you all remember, hopefully Buster Posey has opted out of this season because of health concerns after he and his wife are adopting twin girls. So when I look at the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers, I look at the haves and the have-nots. Granted, the Giants won three World Series in the last decade, and they're probably the best team of the decade if you're looking at championships. The Red Sox have two. Nobody else has multiple championships in the last decade. But for the Giants at this point, they're effectively going to see what they have for the future, what they have for the present, that they might be able to flip into something else for the future. I don't expect much out of the San Francisco Giants this season, but again, there is so much 
that is going to happen in a short period of time. You just quite frankly don't know how it all will shape out. I, though, am extremely excited to see the best rivalry in baseball. Sorry, Yankees, Red Sox, that's West Coast bias for you. Get back out on the field tonight at Chavez Ravine. Even though it is on Friday, let's run down the rest of MLB's opening day schedule. Opening night is tonight. Opening day, technically, is tomorrow. The Atlanta Braves will be at the New York Mets. That'll be at 4.10 Eastern time. Mike Soroka, at 22 years of age, is going to get the start for Atlanta. He will be opposed by perennial ace Jacob deGrom. The Detroit Tigers will start in Cincinnati. That is a 6-10 Eastern time start. Matthew Boyd, the opening day starter for the Tigres, against Sonny Gray for the Reds. The Blue Jays will be in Tampa Bay to square up against the Tampa Bay Rays. They might be in Tampa Bay a little bit more often. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. Hinjin Ryu will make his Blue Jays debut, getting the start for Toronto against Tampa's Charlie Morton. The Miami Marlins are going to be at the Philadelphia Phillies, 7.05 p.m. Eastern start tomorrow night. Sandy Alcantara goes for the Marlins against Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Royals will open up at the Indians, 7.10 Eastern start. Danny Duffy goes for Kansas City. He will be opposed by Indians' new ace, Shane Bieber. Brewers will head to Wrigleyville to take on the Chicago Cubs. Brandon Woodruff will get the start for Milwaukee. Kyle Hendricks for Chicago. That will also get started at 7.10 Eastern time. The Baltimore Orioles will be at the Boston Red Sox. Tommy Malone gets the start for Baltimore. He'll be opposed by Nate Ivaldi for Boston. That is a 7.30 Eastern start time tomorrow. Globe Life Field will open up finally as the Texas Rangers will host the Colorado Rockies. Herman Marquez will go for Colorado, being opposed by Lance Lynn for the Rangers. That's weird to think about Lance Lynn in a Rangers uniform, the longtime St. Louis Cardinal. On the south side of Chicago, the White Sox will host the Twins to open up tomorrow night at 7.10 Central Time. Jose Barrios goes for Minnesota, their ace against standout Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. We'll now head to St. Louis, where the Pirates will open up against the Cardinals at 7.15 Central Time. Joe Musgrove goes for the Buccos against Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. Jack Flaherty, by the way, is going to be on my mind as one of the guys to watch out for as a Cy Young candidate. I think that the Cardinals ace has a potential to be one of the best pitchers in baseball this year if he lets it all fly. San Diego, our next stop on the schedule tour as the Diamondbacks will open up at the Padres. Madison Bumgarner will make his D-backs debut. He'll be opposed by Chris Paddock for the Friars. Mariners will be at the Astros. Marco Gonzalez goes for Seattle. Justin Verlander will open up for Houston. That will be at 8-10 Central Time, 6-10 Pacific Time. The Giants are also playing the Dodgers again tomorrow night, but we are not going to give you the pitching matchup because it has not been set yet. The Angels will visit the Oakland Coliseum to take on the A's. It will be Andrew Haney taking the ball for the Halos against Frankie Montas for the A's. First pitch is scheduled for 7:10 Pacific time. Get used to this schedule because this is what we're going to do almost every day here on MLB Morning Coffee. And now to some news and notes of the day. So the Toronto Blue Jays are still without a home. 
As we updated you on last week, the Blue Jays were denied by the federal government of Canada to be able to play their home games at Rogers Center due to concerns about teams from the United States coming into Canada and potentially spreading COVID-19 in a country that has done a pretty good job of containing it. We had left open a couple of options, being Buffalo or their spring training complex in Florida for which they could play, but the Blue Jays wanted to play at another Major League Stadium. The Pittsburgh Pirates had offered to let them play at PNC Park, but that was also denied by the Health Department of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Why? Well, think about this. The Pirates are playing in the Central Division, where they're having teams from eight different cities, two teams from Chicago, come into their environment. The Blue Jays are not one of those teams, which means that if the Blue Jays were playing there, they would have teams from eight completely different cities coming in and playing in their ballpark. So Pittsburgh would have teams from 18 different cities, including their own two, meaning the Pirates and the Blue Jays, playing at their ballpark. That was not going to make sense from a health perspective. That was too many variables in play, so they said no. The new option being floated on the table is Baltimore, but city officials in Baltimore are more than likely not going to approve that either over potential health concerns as well, just by having more bodies in the city at a certain time. The Blue Jays potentially this year could also be road warriors, meaning that they will play every game on the road. So all of their scheduled home games could turn into road games, although they would be the home team in that ballpark. The Blue Jays right now are in an unenviable situation. The players have no idea where they're going to play or where they're going to live for the next two plus months. I don't envy them one bit in this scenario. They will open tomorrow night in Tampa Bay, but they will have no idea where they will be going to face the Washington Nationals in their supposed home opener on the 29th of July. My guess is, at least for that series, they'll be playing in D.C. and then figuring out a temporary home from there. Needless to say, it is going to be a tumultuous season for the Blue Jays, to say the least. I hope for their sake, at least their players, coaches, and staff are going to rack up some frequent flyer miles to boot. So everybody's talking about how baseball owners are crying poor and that they're going to lose a ton of money and that this season's not going to be profitable and that it would be more beneficial for them financially to not have a season than to have a shortened season with no fans, all this different crap. And then we see Mookie Betts yesterday. Mookie Betts, who hasn't played a single game in a Los Angeles Dodgers uniform, signs a 12-year, $362 million extension with the Dodgers, meaning that including this year, he will be in Dodger blue until 2032. This contract, by the way, $365 million over the life of the 12-year extension. That is more than the $360 million that Mike Trout signed a couple of years back. I am going to be very intrigued to see how this contract plays out because Mookie Betts is in his prime, and he'll be in his prime for the next three to four years. But over the life of this contract, I don't know if Mookie Betts is going to be worth 
the amount that he's getting paid. In any event, Mookie Betts was able to get his way out of Boston after rejecting a $300 million extension. He gets $65 million more from the Dodgers, and without ever having played a game in Los Angeles, Mookie Betts will more than likely finish his career as a Dodger. The Dodgers now have one of the best lineups in baseball with him, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, add Justin Turner and Jock Peterson in there to boot, A.J. Pollock. It is going to be hard to bet against the Dodgers any season for the next 10 years. But what I want to know is this. We all thought that Major League Baseball contracts, at least in the amount of money that was going to be given out because of the pandemic, because of the loss of revenues, were going to get reduced over time. Now, the Dodgers have got more money than they know what to do with because they have one of the richest ownership groups in baseball, led by Irvin Magic Johnson. But if it's not the Dodgers or the Yankees, who is going to have the money to give the next $300-plus million contract, and who is it going to be? My money, if I were a betting man, would be that the next guy that's going to get a $300-plus million contract will be the Indians' Francisco Lindor because he is still on the young enough side to where he is worth that money. A lot of people have said Chris Bryant, but I don't think Chris Bryant is as complete of a player as Francisco Lindor, and if Bryant does not have a good year over the next two years, he may not be worth the market value he thought he was at the beginning of this calendar year. But what the Betts contract says is this. We are not to believe Major League Baseball when they say they don't have the money because $365 million over the next 12 years, that is I have the money. So Fox Sports on their Twitter account this morning announced that they are going to superimpose fans for any MLB game that they have this year. Effectively, they're going to fill up the ballpark with virtual fans. They have the technology to do this to where they can put CGI-generated characters in the stands and make it seem like there are actual fans in the ballpark. Now, in order for them to be able to make it seem like they are actual fans, you cannot have cameras really zoomed in on them at all. I will say this, if you are able to detect that they are virtual fans, it is going to be really weird when you see a humanoid on a baseball field with a cartoon character in the background. It's like who framed Roger Rabbit came to life on a baseball field. Personally, I don't like it. I think Fox is one of the broadcast entities that has a lot of bells and whistles and they want to make sure that they jazz it up as much as possible. I don't think that's necessary. You've already got the crowd noise being pumped in. I think that is a really good thing in order to keep the atmosphere alive for both the players and the fans that are watching on television. Virtual fans, though, eh, I don't know about that. Our final story is a very intriguing one and one that has to be completed in the next couple of hours. Major League Baseball and the Players Association are discussing a plan to which they would expand this year's playoffs from 10 to 16 teams. These had been in the negotiations that we had talked about over the past several months, but in the mandated season in the original March 26th agreement, that was not on the table. Now it seems like the two sides are willing to come back to the table and potentially go to a 16-team playoff for the upcoming season. I personally don't think that an expanded playoff in a year where you have 
just 60 games is worth it. It completely devalues the regular season, and it makes it so a team that's significantly under 500 could get into the playoffs. If you want to put value on the regular season, you need to make it the 60 most important games of that team's year. So if every win and every loss is multiplied by 2.7, that's the factor valuation of 60 to 162, then if you have a team that's under 500 making the playoffs in this year, what would their record be in a year of 162? I don't like it. I don't think that this is the way that you have to do it for this year. Just keep it as it is. But if the agreement is on the dotted line before tonight's first pitch between the Yankees and the Nationals, we are going to have a 16-team playoff in a 60-game regular season. Ugh, I don't like that one bit. But it is what it is. People are just excited to have baseball back, and we are going to take from it what we will. And on that note, that completes this episode of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. If you have ideas, recommendations for the show, email me, greg.moraz, M-R-O-Z, at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Greg D. Moraz, and make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe to the show. It is opening night. We are excited. We're stoked to be back with you. Have a great day. Enjoy the games, and we will talk to you tomorrow bright and early.